Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, I am excited to have this gentleman on the line with me by way of Los Angeles, California, and we are here in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm going to speak to Mr. Will Shelton of the Will Power Integrated Marketing Team. This is the AdCast. You're listening to the AdCast. There's three things that I tell people to focus on. That's your budget, your media, and your message. People don't call it the truth. Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. If you hustle, you'll never go hungry. Hustle and motivate. Hustle and motivate. That's why they follow me, huh? I think I know the way. You're listening to the AdCast. Mr. Will Shelton, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, man. How are you doing today? I am so excited to talk to you. Um, we had a, a mutual friend, I believe, you know, Mr. Michael Gass, um, who's a good friend of our agency, said, Eric, this is someone that you need to be on the line with. And like I said to you prior to us jumping on, I have no idea why we are just now finding one another. So uh, I hope <laughs> after this podcast episode that we continue to stay in touch. Because, man, you've got an interesting career. And, and I want to tell all the people about it. But, you know, Will, for those people who have been living under a rock, including myself, I would love you to be able to tell our audience who you are and exactly what you do. Okay, yeah, fine. Uh, my name is Will Shelton, and the name of my company is Will Power Integrated Marketing. So um, just to give you background on how I made my point of entry into the marketing industry is that my former background is hair salons. I'm a licensed hairstylist and I cut hair for 26 years and I had my own hair salon for 10 years. So in doing hair, you know, clients come in and, you know, they're talking, there's always conversations going on and, and especially in black shops, yeah. you know, they, you know, people are bringing in chicken dinners and selling bootleg CDs and everything. So <laughs> what happens is clients would always ask me what song that was playing. Cause music is always on heavy rotation mm -hmm. in the shops or they would ask me for a recommendation for a movie because they knew that I was a, a movie aficionado. So they come back in or call me and say, Hey, I saw that movie. Or they would tell me before they left the salon, they would say, Hey, I'm going to go buy that CD that I just heard. Yeah. So, you know, I had Eric, I had an epiphany, man. I, I said, I'm helping these entertainment companies organically market their projects. So I said, I'm going to put a proposal together and I'm going to send it to them. And I'm going to let them know that they have a captive receptive audience in the shop. And I'm going to see what happens because I always tell people, if you have nothing, you have nothing to lose. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I sent out this proposal and guess what happened, Eric, within 30 days, I started receiving shipments from FedEx of free CDs to play and advanced screening passes. And that's when I knew I had something right yeah, there. That's, that's when it started. Well, you know, you being in L.A. and you're talking movies and you're talking music, have you ever done uh, or, or or done some work for any famous folks out there in L.A.? Yeah, uh, well, once the record labels reached out to me, one of the major executives, he told me he was so impressed with my proposal. 
he was coming to town and he was going to come directly to my salon. And he said he had to meet me. So he came in and we met and he said, you have something here. So about a year later, I, I, I got another epiphany. I said, you know, there's thousands of shops all over the country. Yeah. So the next idea was to build up a network and start to do that. And so we can go into thousands of or hundreds of shops. So next thing you know, um, I'm up in all the top 10 markets. I developed a team on the ground. These teams already had relationships with the shops. So, and fast forward to today, I have a network of over 100,000 barber shops and salons, and we reach over 100 million consumers annually. That is powerful, man. <laughs> that is powerful. You, you know, you don't get there over, overnight. You've been in business for over 25 years. Tell, yep. tell me about the hustle part of it and, and the why you do it, Will. Well, why I did it was because um, I wanted to see if it was possible. Because I always believe that you create these false barriers in your mind. And, and a lot of times people allow fear to hold them back. And fear is only false evidence appearing real. That's all it was to me. So I said, you know what, I'm going to take a dive at this and um, always tell people, you know, go after your dreams as if your life depends on it, because the life that you want does depend on it. And with that type of thinking and passion, I decided, you know, I'm going to go after it with everything. So um, next thing you know, I just started going to different, I was making probably 30 calls a day to different movie studios, different record labels, just trying to get some traction. So that's how it started, but it, I still had to keep hair and doing hair as my bread and butter. Right, that was the it, bread and butter, but the side you. hustle was, was the, the uh, marketing. So, I mean, I just kept doing it and then it kept growing. And then I added in television because I was at first just dealing with the movie industry and record labels. Then I diversified a little bit and stepped out and started working with television networks. And that really kind of catapulted me to another category. But the and then at that at that time, this was in like the late nineties and going into the two thousands. Today, the browning of America is so much more. I mean, we have many more minorities, African Americans. Mm -hmm. Back then it wasn't as many. So the opportunities weren't as plentiful as today. Now blacks spend $1.3 trillion a year on goods and services. Mm -hmm. And none of the companies want to leave that on the table. So that was my early struggles was really just trying to uh, make these companies understand that there was so much cultural capital that exists in these shops. And it was a blind spot for them. They didn't even understand it, you know? So my struggle point. was going after that. So do you think like some companies, they, they totally underestimated the African-American dollar is, is the, the way you feel? Totally. I, I totally believe that what, what they usually do in the past, especially is they would take the African-American marketing and they would bolt it on a mainstream campaign. You now, separate. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I have a good friend and he actually did some work for, um, a retail clothing uh, shop, and what he did was their focus was totally uh, African American, and it, it's funny that you say that. And I want to I want to add this point because w what he told me was, uh, you know, he assisted the corporate office with trying to 
you know, do things their way, but they didn't understand how to reach the audience at all. So you said to me just now, and and, and I do agree with you, you said that they mm-hmm. were just trying to, you know, just say like it's a one size fits all. We just market and everyone's going to get a hold of it. Mm-hmm. How did you how did you prove that to them? How did you prove that to to the corporations that you were speaking to? Like, hey, you need to pay attention to this African American dollar. How did you do that? Well, I I had to educate them. Every time I talked to them, I had to let them know about the 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 statistics. I had to let them know African Americans watch 40% more TV than any other audience. They go to the movies twice as much. They, they have a $1.3 trillion buying power. So those are things that when you let them know that, that they're like instantly their, their eyebrows go up and they say, we didn't know this. And then when I tell them that I can reach over a hundred million consumers, that's a whole nother story. So it's constant education, even to this day. I mean, most of these, uh, you know, marketers, they go to school for traditional marketing. Yeah. So, and they don't understand the African-American market and they don't understand the one thing that you have to do is has, when you put together a campaign, it has to be culturally relevant and it has to resonate with that consumer. You can't just do the same campaign that you would do for uh, a white audience or Hispanic audience for the African-American because it's not going to resonate. It has to really be authentic. So that's what I usually would do when I talk to the marketers, I have to first give them an education on the buying power on the stats and then they start to understand. And then not only that, the, the salons and barbershops, that's a whole nother space that no one's ever tapped into. I'll give you a little story. When the original Michael Jordan air Jordan shoe came out, they did a barbershop blitz with that shoe. They I'm, gave I'm wearing that those shoe, shoes yeah. right now. I'm wearing them right now. <laughs> yeah. They actually gave that shoe to barbers in d- different major markets so they would have it first, and it wasn't even in the store yet. So guess what? The word of mouth took off in a crazy way. So, And that wasn't even my company. That was a predecessor to my company. So they were doing things in barbershops and salons just kind of on a light level back in the eighties and in the early, early nineties. Do, do you feel like the barbershops and the salons, especially your experience in them, that they kind of help you with your own type of sociology, sociology to be able to understand what the audience wanted, what they craved more of and how they would react to things. And did you use that along with a lot of the research that you said you did? Yeah, basically, you know, African-Americans have like an outsized influence, what they wear, what they like, what they listen to influences other ethnicities. And by the time the other ethnicities starts to get a hold of it, we've already moved on to something else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's an understanding of their influence of the African-American, like hip hop music. It's it's the biggest music, R&B music It's the highest revenue music out there. So um, if you, you have to wrap these campaigns around these types of salons and barbershops, because think of it, the, these salon owners, these barbers, they're influencers, they're innovators, they're facilitators. You know, I would tell the, the uh, marketers, look, I take you from the mezzanine to the, to the floor seats. I take you from the top to the orchestra section. And I give, I, a lot of times these, uh, it's an understanding of giving permission to speak to the African-American, but with my company, I give you admission. 
say that one more time. I'm gonna quote, I'm gonna quote you on that one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote you on that one. <laughs> A lot of companies say they give you you have to have permission to speak to the African Americans, but my company gives you admission. I take you from the mezzanine to the orchestra section and you have a front row seat with your target consumer. Does uh, some of those corporations, does it force them now to have separate budgets to reach the African-American audience? Because I know McDonald's actually had an entire team that used to just say, hey, this is going to be our general market marketing and this is going to be our, you know, our African-American targeting marketing. Uh, I maybe not have versed it the right way or the way they put it, but that's kind of how it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, today it has forced them to have a separate multicultural marketing department, which that usually includes the African-Americans too. Usually it's rare to have just a straight African-American dedicated department, but the multicultural departments, most of the advertising agencies and the brands have that, or what they do is they reach out to experts like me and, and companies that have a niche like me, because there's no way that you can reach this audience out of home. And, and with that type of reach um, outside of going to a company like mine. So now what made you choose to say that you wanted to have the multi multicultural niche versus just saying, I wanted to do the general market niche? Mm -hmm. Well, I think when you start any company, especially mine, you need to position yourself. And I think that, you know, you need to find out what the DNA of your company is, who your target consumer is. And um, when you start from that point, it, because if you don't position yourself, you're going to get positioned. So you need to drill down, find a niche. And I knew that if I honed in on that specialty, that it, it would be so dynamic that it couldn't be ignored at that point. So let's just say the, the day and times that we're in right now, mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like there's a, a multicultural relevance that's kind of happening. Um, more than now, and 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 people are, uh, you know, of all walks of life, they're really paying attention to uh, a lot of things, or or saying, well, truly, I I was missing out, or I didn't understand. Um, I, I can tell you, here in Charleston, there was a statue that stood up for over a hundred years, and mm -hmm. they actually just brought it down. Uh, I think yesterday they brought the statue down, um, and and you have people that have mixed feelings about that. But then also now you have people paying more attention to the culture. The times that we're in now, do you believe that they will pay more attention to the African-American dollar or or just paying more attention to the audience, period? Yeah, they, they, you know what, Eric, they have to. Um, there's campaigns out there. Um, there's one called Pull Up or Change or Pull Up and Shut Up. And they're uh, forcing these brands to show the diversity in their company. Um, there, there's an Instagram page that garnered a hundred thousand followers in seven days, and they're making these companies be accountable. They don't want just the banner in the booth, and they don't just want the tape and gauze. Now, these consumers want to know what type of diversity you have. They're looking under the hood. They're doing a 150 point inspection on your company. They're doing an MRI on you. And they want to know from the top to the bottom, what is, are the numbers? Is your stance in alignment with your stats? That's what they want to know. Or you may get boycotted. Wow. 
Is your stance in alignment with your stats? Will, we're going to take a break right here, pay the bills, and we're going to come back with more of the AdCast. Today's show is sponsored in part by Craft Creative. Change your creative. Change your world with premium video production and graphic design. Get started by visiting WeCraftCreative.com. You don't need a marketing agency. You do deserve very important placement. VIP Marketing and Advertising is a cutting-edge strategic digital, creative, media, and marketing partner that provides services for businesses of all sizes. To stay up to date on the latest marketing news, subscribe for email updates at veryimportantplacement.com. You're listening to The AdCast, the podcast for marketers and advertisers with your host, Eric Elliott. All right, I want to thank everybody for listening to The AdCast. And right before the break, uh, Mr. Mr. Will was just kind of setting things on fire, and there's going to be a lot of quotes that are going to be flying after this. Uh, we talked about, you know, now companies have to show their stats. That's something big. I want to ask you this. Uh, let's talk about like one of the, the big companies that you've worked with, uh, like an AT&T, you know. Um, um, how, how do you, let's just say little old Mr. Will, mm-hmm. how do you go up against a giant like an AT&T and get their attention? You know, what I do is I go to them just like I would go to any other client. I show them my case studies. I, sh- I, I talk to them as a consultant, not just a vendor. Um, I let them know the value that I can bring to their company and that I have a great understanding of the market and I can have an impact on their market share, basically. And when I do that, they listen. And then, when, and then after they listen, they want to talk to me. And then when we have a conversation and I can really lay out real solutions for that company, then um, a lot of the times I can land that contract with them. Have you ever had a company that did not listen to you at all? And then they call you back and say, hey, Will, we need to talk. Yeah, it really, that happened so many times in my career. I've had a company told me, look, uh, we already got it locked. We already got somebody on it. And then within 30 days, they called me back. And they said, it fell apart. We need you. Come aboard. And I had another company saying, two or three companies, same thing. Wow. They said, you know, we got it. We got it under control. Then I get a call and I was shocked. I was like, well, what's going on? And they said, we, we thought we had it, but we really need you. So can you, would you still help us out? <laughs> <laughs> it happened so many times that I, I just laugh because when they tell me now, I don't even believe them. <laughs> wow. Will, when you tell me that, you know, you said using some of the stats, we watch more television and how we consume media. What media are you can find? Are you are you seeing that that really has the African-American audience's attention? You know, African-Americans have an insatiable appetite for entertainment. They just do. <laughs> they love it. They love sports. They love all forms. So right now, during while we've had the sheltering in and the COVID, is the it went from forty percent to probably sixty percent of, of more TV than they were before. Because I keep a close eye it. on this stuff. I, um, I totally believe uh, it. Um, you know, movie theaters are still down, but we we just we love. I think we love the medium of of television. 
especially a lot of the the cable channels because the cable channels understood uh, our, our our hunger for different types of shows and they started to create and craft shows and the storylines were directly for African Americans. Look, remember Empire? Oh yeah, totally. On Fox. Yeah. Do you know that Fox called me? I helped them to launch that show. When that show first came out, they said, Will, we need you on this one. And the ratings went through the roof. We put together an amazing campaign and, and it went crazy. You said the cable networks kind of, they were hip to it first. And then you have, a, a, you know, I want to say like, I think it was an ABC that came out with Blackish, right? So yeah. you have the cable networks, they get it, they recognize it, and then they mm-hmm. begin to cater to it. And then we could probably think networks like BET for kind of laying the groundwork yeah. for a lot of that. So exactly. do you feel like the broadcast stations, do they get it now? They do. They get it now because they were getting their lunch taken away from them. <laughs> so they started so they started to develop those same types of shows because you you've got to have that content that has their likeness. Blacks like to watch shows that have blacks as the stars, as the characters, and it reflects their life. Mm-hmm. So they started to craft those types of shows and with those types of characters and storylines. And um, they were, they were off to the races after that. And so there it's a real strong competition between these, these stations. Now, even BT feels it in mm. TV one, even the black station, they feel it because right. they, these uh, cable networks and, and networks are putting out content to compete with theirs. To, so so how does that force them to change? I know they're they're bringing in shows, but does that make them come to more consultants like you to say, like how Fox did, hey, we need you on this one. And then, you know, do they still see it? When I say they, do the, do the network still see it as, oh, this is too much of a risk for us? Or do they say, this is something that we have to do? They think it's too much of a risk if they don't do it. Wow. <laughs> That's what they, they they know that they absolutely have to use companies like mine. Uh, I, right now, I have three networks uh, or in three movie studios lined up right now for fall and midsummer activations with them. So, and they're they're desperate. And now you got to understand, production has been down. Yeah, theaters have been closed. They're frantic. So that is really increased. My business has grown and I've been more busy now than I was before COVID happened because I found the opportunities in the crisis. Right. So do you feel like, uh, is there any medium, especially with, you know, with production being down, people can't film um, Mm -hmm. that let's just say like social media. Do you mm-hmm. feel that social media is huge or or is a big influence within the African American community? Or can yeah, have, oh, can have um, a big influence? Yeah, this is this is the great segue because I beefed up my social media strategy about four or five years ago. And last year I did a real deep dive on it and I really advanced it. So I have a lot of micro influencers. We can reach over um, six, seven million followers through our network because those same salons and barbershops, they have strong social media followers because what goes on in the salon and the chatter and the conversations and the narratives that just goes on social media. I call the barbershops and salons, the original black Twitter, you know, they started it all in the shops. 
So uh, a couple of my followers of my um, social media network, they have over 500,000 followers. And, and these are shop owners mm-hmm. and they know how to engage. My um, social media network, they have a more stronger engagement than the average micro-influencer because I'm talking to you, these these black stylists, are, are they're very savvy. They understand marketing. They've all, always had to do more with less. So a lot of them are even better than media planners and creatives. Wow. Well, you know, there used to be a saying that the barbershop was where everything happened in the neighborhood. Because if you go back years and years ago, this is a person, this was your first psychiatrist, the barber. Yeah, exactly. You know what I tell people? I tell people a stylist can get more out of you in 15 minutes than a therapist in 15 years. (laughs) That is true. Literally. That is true. Literally. They, you know, they're the ones who had, they were bringing in chicken dinners they were bringing in CDs, selling purses, all that stuff. Go, I, they're like the original Uber Eats <laughs> before they even existed. When I when I started my media career in radio, and I remember you would always, you know, when the club days, when clubs were really big, and you would see the flyers all over the place. Well, guess where <laughs> all the flyers were dropped off to? At the shops. At the shops. At the shops. It was almost like it was the first way or the best way to be able to get the word out, right? You know, it was the best way to get the word out. And then when you heard it on the radio, okay, really, it's official now. Yeah. But but now it's like, you know, if it's if they get the flyer, they, well, they don't really have to do that much anymore. But if they see it on Instagram or Facebook, it's solidified now. Exactly, exactly. The radio doesn't even solidify it. The, the Instagram account solidifies it. <laughs> do, do you feel that... African-Americans listen to as much radio as they used to. And, and here's oh. why I asked that, because you had a great like Tom Joyner. You know, he's done. You remember Doug Banks show that's over. Um, but and you got like the Ricky Smiley's of the world. Now you got the Steve Harvey's Or uh, mm-hmm. is the is the radio audience for African-Americans still powerful? Yes, it is. So I think it's the number one consumption of media is still radio. People don't believe it, but uh, I can't remember the exact stats, but I just did. So I'm always keeping up on this, but radio is still the number one consumption uh, of media for, for African-Americans. Really? Yes, it is. <laughs> yep. I, I remember that stat when I was in radio. <laughs> I, I, it, it's funny you say that. And, and I think I've let so much time go by now. And it's like, really? I, like, it, can't just people, can't believe it, you know. People think it's back in the day, but it's still it's still number one, you know. And then you got the the uptick of all the podcasts and the audio. I mean, that's almost like a form of radio itself, you know. With Spotify, um, they they've invested heavily in uh, podcasts lately. All of them are. Um, but yeah, that's it's still the number one form of of consuming media for African Americans is radio. So like. Well, what are some of the things that you want to have? You know, if I want to ask you, like, what do you want to accomplish with your company? What is your goal? What do you want to do? You know what I would say right now, my calling and my purpose is to help the small businesses in the communities, the beauty and barbershop industry, because that's the industry that I've been in so long. And right now, you know, they're on their knees. They're trying to recover. They're trying to stay safe. They're trying to stay profitable and safe during this COVID, 
COVID crisis as well as the the racial um, un- unrest and injustice. So my purpose right now is to help brands and agencies to help the community. They want to know how to stand in solidarity, and I'm giving them the breakdown of how to do that without missing without missing the mark. Mm-hmm. So they can be right on point because these, these shops are cornerstones of these communities. If they go away, they're fighting for their legacies right now. If they go away, that's going to have a significant economic effect on these communities. So right now my calling and my purpose is to help the brands and help the agencies that want to help them to really put together the right types of commitments so they can help them recover I want to talk about recovering and I want us to go to break and then I want to come back now and I want to talk about the impact that COVID has had on a lot of the people and the shops um, that you hold close uh, and, and you know a lot about their business, the barbershops and the beauty salons, uh, because some of those businesses, you know, when they were putting out PPP loans, they couldn't take them. They couldn't get them. Um, so when we come back with that, I want to talk, I want to discuss with that if that's okay with you. Great. Yeah. Perfect. This has been the AdCast. Today's show is sponsored in part by Craft Creative. Change your creative. Change your world with premium video production and graphic design. Get started by visiting WeCraftCreative.com. You don't need a marketing agency. You do deserve very important placement. VIP Marketing and Advertising is a cutting-edge strategic digital, creative, media, and marketing partner that provides services for businesses of all sizes. To stay up to date on the latest marketing news, subscribe for email updates at veryimportantplacement.com. You're listening to The AdCast, the podcast for marketers and advertisers with your host, Eric Elliott. All right, Will, so, you know, earlier we were talking about, you know, COVID and what the effects were like for a lot of barbershops and and you know even restaurants barbershops restaurants salons will for you know you're definitely you keep your ear to the ground with a lot of these people um tell me what it was like for them what is it that they went through that we don't know about or we didn't understand what they went through was really it could it could cause ptsd i mean them no one in the history of salons, unless you had an injury or surgery, has their business been shut down like that. But what added the injury to the insult of being shut down was that they didn't get to receive any SBA or PPP loans because the way most of their businesses are set up, they have independent contractors. They don't have employees. There's very few that had employees. I know a couple that did, but most of them didn't. So they had to resort to to GoFundMe pages. Some of their clients would just kind of donate money to them. The ones that could get the loans, some of them didn't even get the loans because the banks didn't want to process smaller loans because they didn't make any money off of those. They only were interested in in processing the the larger loans. Hmm. So um, they really suffered a lot. And then they were already dealing with their interpersonal stuff that was going on. Some of, I know some of them directly that had relatives die or get sick. So you had all that going on. So they were on their knees 
And during that time, I was on an Instagram live show with them, and we would share information to other stylists about what they could do to still stay profitable while they were out of the salon. So they had to, what I call pivot during the pandemic and find some other opportunities. One shop owner, she generated over $50,000 from selling products. Um, there was another um, shop owner in New York. She told me she was making $100,000 a month wow. off of selling products. Um, most of them weren't making that much, but these two were exceptional. Um, so some of them started doing like one-on-one video services where they would help their clients with their hair uh, one-on-one on like uh, Zoom or something like that. And then they had those shop owners and stylists that taught classes. So a lot of the people that were, while they were down, I was telling them, you need to do your business development. This is where you need to restructure all the stuff you said you didn't have time to do. Now you have time. So then some of of them did like workshops where they learned different hairstyles. They had to reforecast. Um, you know, you had to throw out the old playbook completely and adapt to what's going on. So I was encouraging them to restructure, to build their brand while they were down, to build their brand identity, to start figuring out what type of niche they were going to have when they, and then find out what the transformation was going to be because you had to totally reconfigure how are you going to get back into the building and safely? Because it's one thing to rearrange the chairs at the salon for, for that, but how can you rearrange the experience? So, and I had another salad, you know, before they came back, they had so many clients waiting on them. These clients were waiting on that seat that was saved for them to come back to the salon. And, and a shop owner told me she had 250 people waiting list to go back into the shop. No, that's incredible. And and, and that's incredible. And like how you said, you can actually just start beginning your business development at that point, begin your business Mm -hmm. development at that point. And, and, you know, make sure that, you know, now after COVID, you think about those times, like what happens if we shut down? Maybe I may sell uh, discounted time slots for people who book in advance, you know? Um, but mm-hmm. then you had something on the other end too, where not only the shop owners were they in a little bit of trouble with everything from COVID, but you had a lot of the people that would sit in the seats. They didn't know if they would get to keep their job, you know, and, and mm-hmm. some companies, uh, what I've, you know, kind of figured out or, or seen is that some companies, you know, that did get PPP, you know, they would keep people. And then when it's over with, they let them go, <laughs> you know, they keep the people mm-hmm. so though they can they don't have to pay back the funds and then there you go from there. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I I've always had a you know a spot in in my heart for barbershops and beauty salons. My first job, my very first job, you know, was actually sweeping a barbershop for some uh, three guys who who were really influential and in teaching me a lot of things and giving me a, my love for barbershops when I was ten years old sweeping up their barbershop. So. Uh, I was in fifth grade and I made 30 bucks a week sweeping their barbershop and I would be in there wow. every, every day and every Saturday and uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't have traded for the world and I made friends for life out of them. Um, so, 
you know, going back to what you said originally, the barbershops are definitely a cornerstone within the African-American communities. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just, I applaud everything that you do. Will, I'm a fan of how you, you handle the marketing, the multicultural marketing. I, I really, I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of everything that you're doing. And so uh, I just definitely wanted to tell you that and, and give my best to those that you are in touch with. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a quite a journey, you know, for me. And, um, but I'm excited <clears throat> for, um, even though we're, we're going through these, this climate now, um, I'm, I'm still, I still have a lot of faith and I still have a vision and I still know that, um, people can come back stronger and that, um, you know, even though they feel like they're on hospice and life support, they, they, they're not dead their business is not dead and they can come back again Absolutely. and they can begin again. You know, it's about beginning again. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to move on to uh, our final segment and uh, I call this a lightning round. And this is where mm-hmm. I would ask guests about, you know, certain mediums. So for instance, I'd ask you what your thoughts are on radio or television, newspaper, billboards, social media and, you know, as, as fast as you could kind of sum up exactly how you feel and what you think about those mediums, if possible. And, and you just let me know when you're ready, Will. Okay. Um, so basically, I'm going to let you know what I think about the medium. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no right or wrong okay. answer here. Okay. So okay, um, cool. okay. in the lightning round, I'd like to know your thoughts on television. Television. Television has way better content than they used to have because of the competition, because the cable channel starting putting, putting on, you know, great content, great storytelling. So that forced the other companies and, and, and also uh, I'm going to include streaming Netflix, Amazon, Apple TV. I mean, they raised the bar. Mm-hmm. So oh, totally. we have better television. Yeah. <laughs> we have better television now than we used to have a few years ago be, because of the, the competition and putting out the great content. So I, I love it. How about cable? Cable? Cable's good. I mean, you know, like I said before, with all the competition, everybody has to be on their P's and Q's, and everybody has to. And then the, the other thing about cable, cable's a niche. Cable has a niche because they put on stuff for their minimum viable audience. They know what their audience is and they target exactly that audience. Um, television usually has to have a, a broader uh, array of uh, content. Social media. Oh, social media is fierce. Social media, you can create businesses on social media. You can grow businesses on social media. You can uh, have such a strong reach across the world. This isn't just in the States, but this is like, you know, international. Um, social media allows um, brands to use the influencers on social media to elevate their products. And these uh, social media is just a, a, a great invention to me. What do you feel about billboards? Billboards are great still. I mean, look at the traffic. You you have to pass them all the time. 
the bus stop, the billboard, I think that that's still a, a viable medium. Radio. Radio is underrated for real. Um, radio still has a captive audience that resonates with it. I mean, with, with hip hop music and R and B, I mean, you, you know, that's a medium that still holds the audience there and it's still the number one consumption of media for African-Americans. And newspaper. How about newspaper? What did you say? Music? Newspaper. Oh, newspaper. I hate to admit it, but newspaper is dying on the vine. I mean, I used to love to read a newspaper every day. And uh, you can, it, it's so thin now. It used to be thick and full and had all these sections in it. And now you get the paper and it just looks like it's not even the same anymore. It's a shell of what it used to be. But I still love it when I can get my hands and I love to open it up and, and feel it and touch it. But it's dying. It's, it's, um, it's on hospice. Wow. Wow. Mr. Will Shelton, you were a fantastic guest today. I want to thank you for being our guest on the AdCast. And for any of our listeners, if you feel this podcast has been good for you or good for a friend of yours, uh, please feel free to share it. And also check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we want to thank our guest, Mr. Will Shelton. Will, how can our folks find you? Give us your 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 social media uh, contacts or your mm -hmm. website address so folks can actually look you up. Okay, yeah, they can reach me directly. They can uh, directly reach me on my Instagram. It's I am willpower. I, the letter M, will with one L, power. So that's my handle, and you can always reach me on that. And if you need any services or if there's anybody that needs any like one-on-one -on -one consulting, I'm available. Amazing. I want to thank you. Thank to our listeners again for giving us your most valuable asset, which is your time. This has been the AdCast. Thank you, Will. If you feel this podcast has been a help to you or could be a help to others, please don't forget to subscribe. You can listen to our podcast anywhere, iHeart, Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And this episode is also going to be available on YouTube. To catch up on past episodes, go to heyimeric.com, or you can always text me at 843-483-1555. Copyright VIP Marketing and Advertising, produced by Craft Creative. For premium video production and graphic design, visit wecraftcreative.com.